The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today I'm delighted to welcome to the show Lynn Serafin, a transformation coach, radio host, and best-selling author of the book, The Garden of the Soul, Lessons from Four Flowers That Unearth the Self. And we're going to begin this uh, chat today with Lynn uh, looking at how her spiritual path unfolded and how she has moved on to her current interest which will be uh, her new book coming out in December The Seven Graces of Marketing Welcome to the show Lynn Oh thank you Peter, I hope you can hear me from across the pond I am calling from Bedford, England so it's, an, it's just a miracle we're connecting at all <laughs> <laughs> It is indeed and you sound loud and clear now Lynn so on, on the show, I, because it's Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, I'm always interested to have our listeners hear how people have moved on to their awakened spiritual path. So perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about the way that's worked for you. Well, gosh, um, well, without taking up a, you know, a, a, whole, a whole show on that, um, you know, I st- I've, been, I've been on a spiritual path as so many people, uh, you know, I'm sure so many of your guests have said, you know, pretty much my whole life. I mean, I started... As a child, you know, I was raised in a, in a fairly religious environment, and I was very into the spiritual side of religiosity, not just the, the ritualistic side or not just the, the social side. Um, and, and uh, you know, I left that when I was in my teens, and I went into music. I became a, uh, uh, a professional musician and, and didn't think... I, I read a lot of books, but I didn't think much about spirituality at the time. And then... In my early mid twenties, thereabouts, I was uh, I was dabbling in Eastern philosophies and studying them in in university, and um, then uh, met up with a person who is now my ex husband, but then my not yet husband, and uh, I, I had already gone to India, but uh, then we went back to India together, and I connected with a temple there, and I was really associated with a. Uh, a, a very traditional uh, Indian lineage for more than 20 years. I had, a, I had an Indian guru. I took uh, Brahman initiation and uh, practiced an Indian spiritual practice for more than a, more than a couple of decades. And uh, round about my late 40s, I started to become disillusioned with it for many reasons that I won't go into, but just... 
I, I think now that I'm 56 now, and as I look back on life, I think that all the, all the things that we feel we've outgrown or, or even conflicts that happen in our lives, if we've, if we've had conflicts with people um, or organizations, at the time they may seem very painful and you don't know why they're happening, but if you really look at them, there's no dissemination of knowledge unless people are kicked out of the nest. It's like, you know, the mother bird who, you know, the birds won't fly and she just pushes them out of the nest and they have to go. Sometimes, sometimes a crisis has to happen or a, not, or a conflict has to happen or a change of circumstance has to happen. Some kind of shift that might seem uncomfortable at the time and inexplicable at the time. But I believe that those are keys to our own transformation, not only our personal transformation, but to our then going out into the world and uh, bringing our wisdom and our knowledge to places that we wouldn't have done had we stayed in the same place. Um, and I think an awful lot of us don't realize that when we're on a spiritual quest that we actually, at some point, reach a point in life where we, we are, um, for lack of a better word, thought leaders. And we're not necessarily mentally or emotionally ready to take up that, that, uh, that title. So we stay put, try to be invisible, just practice our little spiritual path, you know, do our little meditative practices or morning practices or whatever we do and try to serve ourselves. And we don't ever push ourselves into the greater world to make an impact unless something happens to put us in that place. And I think that's what happened to me and what's happened to many, many, many other people. A lot of them are my clients. Um, uh, you know, and lots and lots of people around the world. I left the organization that I was associated with at the time. It felt very bitter, uh, very bittersweet, I should say. And and but now, in hindsight, I realize what it allowed me to do was to step into who I really was, taking with me whatever wisdom and um, uh, you know an insight that I got from the various spiritual paths that I had throughout my life. And then step into a spiritual path that was simply me, simply my, my own uh, walking within my own shoes. So, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, and and that's really where I'm at now. My spiritual path is simply the path of um, all all of the big, you know, the big selling words, the authenticity, life purpose, all these things. I I'm so tired of those words, but it, it is it is what it is. It's the path of being who I am. It's the and, and I think that really the only true spiritual path is the path of self with a capital S, you know, the path in which we become the uh, the person we were meant to be. I don't know if you guys, uh, did you watch the, you must have watched the Royal Wedding, did you not, uh, oh, Peter, I, when it was on? I was, I was forced to watch the Royal Wedding by my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, a, I'm not a royalist, and I'm a, I mean, and I'm, ha- I'm a dual citizen, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm Brit-American, or American Brit, or whatever you want to call me, um, and I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of all the royal stuff, but I, I watched it um, on, on a video on, online, and I was actually really moved by it. I was moved by the Bishop of London who had gotten up and gave his speech, and a, a lot of people were really, really, really going on about this wonderful, wonderful speech because he quoted St. Catherine of Siena. I had to look the quote up to find out exactly what it was. Um, he quoted St. Catherine of Siena who said, and his translation is a loose translation, and I might not be saying it exactly the way he said, but basically it was when you become the person you were, that uh, you were born to be, when you, when you become the person you were born to be, you will set the world ablaze. 
you'll set the world on fire. And that was such a powerful statement. And really, that is the message of, you mentioned my book, The Garden of the Soul. That is essentially the message of that book. Um, it starts with an opening line that says, you are already the hero of your own life. You did not earn this title. You didn't have to. It is your birthright. You were born the hero. And, and that, is the, that is the key message that I've been speaking for some time. And, and I think that is what led me now to work with authors who are also writing books of these kinds, these, this nature, in various genres, not, not just talking about life purpose or things like that, but also talking about business or um, health, uh, any number of things. And, but they, the, key, the thing they have in common is that they're telling, the message is, you are a whole being. You, are, you were here for a purpose. You were created in perfection, no matter what you think your imperfections are. Those are all part of your wonderful color. That is part of who you are. And, and in helping other authors become known and uh, spread their message, what happens is that my message then becomes amplified, you know, thousands of times over. Because if I, if I help, um, you know, I can't, I, I, the example I give is I can't write a dozen books a year, but I can promote a dozen authors a year or more. And, and so that means that my impact, my greater impact on the world is magnified because I'm helping other people live their purpose who are helping other people live their purpose. And that's, that's really how we start to change the world, simply by starting from that center, living your purpose, and enabling others to be simply who they were born to be. And that's my path in a nutshell. No, well, that's, a, that's a great nutshell. Thank you. I was thinking the similarities, <laughs> the similarities with me when I was, when I was a chemistry teacher in, in the classroom and then had the opportunity to become the school principal. It was the same thing where mm. when you're a teacher in a classroom, you have the opportunity to affect a small number of kids in, in the way in which you do the job. But when you become the principal, you have a tremendous influence on a lot of people, including adults and, and, and uh, the kids in the, in the school to create the best life that you can for them. So I, I totally understand that, that perspective. I, get, that I, I was in a similar position. Uh, I, was, I, I didn't realize we both came from education. I, um, I, I did my, when I, I was a professional musician for many years, but then I decided to go back to employment for about 10 years, and I went back into teaching, and I did a, a master's degree in adult education, and I worked my way up through the, this is here in Britain, I worked my way through the educational ladder, you know, and and I became a the head of a college department, and it's as you say, my 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 um, idealistic reason for wanting to do it was to be able to influence teachers and empower teachers. Um, it doesn't necessarily work like that <laughs> when you're a manager, however. I have to say, you end up with a lot of paperwork and reports, and it's not exactly the the dream job that I thought it was going to be. And again, that conflict that led me to that kind of burnout in that situation that led me to leave education is what then brought me to do what I do today. So all of the conflicts and all of the things leading up to it, they all have a role. When you, when you get older, you look back and you say, every single thing I did was important. All of it was important. Nothing was useless. Everything was important. And it's important to remember that while you're going through those challenging times because you can it's, look back it's on it. It's a challenge. Say, it's a challenge, but yeah. it, it is very important. I think as you get older, you remember it more. It's tough when you're younger. I know it was tough for me. I guess it's called maturity, isn't it? 
Yes, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it gets better. I think it gets better. I, I, I totally agree with you, yeah. And, and actually, we're about the same age as well, so we've gone through the same sorts of events over the last few years. Lynn, we're coming up to our first break, and, and when we return, we'll uh, chat about the new, uh, the new field that you're moving into, which is the area of, of marketing. This is yeah. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to remind our listeners to check out my own website, www.petertung.com as well as our sponsors, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. We've got a really exciting week coming up next week. Um, We have our cancer workshop on July the 10th in our local community. But during that week, we'll be holding meditations and uh, an Ambassadors of Light class on July the 7th at 5.30 in the evening to talk about all the energies of the sun sign of cancer and what we can do to transform and transcend ourselves about the, above the limitations and to enjoy all the wonderful aspects of, of cancer. So please do check out those two websites. My newsletter will also be coming out probably by uh, the end of this week or Monday at the latest, and there will be lots of really juicy information in, in there as well. So www.petertongue.com and www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. So back to Lynn Serafin, my guest today. And, and Lynn, you're sort of, you've taken on a, a little bit of a new direction in, in looking into all aspects of marketing. So tell us a bit about how that came about. Well, it, I, I, call myself, I call myself an accidental marketer because I didn't plan it this way. And then after I kind of fell into it, I realized I've probably been marketing my whole life because of having come from a musician background, um, uh, I, I didn't really take it all in that that's what I was doing because I wasn't very organized at it. Um, well, how it, how it happened now was basically that in 2009, uh, my book, The Garden of the Soul, came out, and it became a, a bestseller. Not, not a number one seller, but a bestseller in the top ten. And the reason why it did is because I took about two years studying how other people did it. I went to every single seminar. I took, took 
took every single teleclass I could. I, you know, I listened, I read, I, I, and and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours on on uh, social media, and I learned all kinds of tricks about social media and this and that, and whatever. And I realized that I enjoyed it, and so I created a campaign for the book, and it did well. Um, and the uh, the surprising thing that happened as a result of that was that within a month or two, people started writing me saying, oh, could you write a, a guest piece for my blog about marketing, how you did that? And I did one. I did, I did one on one site, and then somebody else asked me on another site. And I was, to be honest, Peter, I was a bit uh, put off at first. I thought, ooh, you know, I was feeling very sorry for myself. I was thinking, oh, boo-hoo, you know, why aren't they asking about my book? Why, you know, all they want to know is how I sold it, you know. And at first, I wasn't listening to the universe. I wasn't listening to the guidance that was actually happening and unfolding right before me. Um, what happened as a result, I mean, I wrote the articles, and I wrote some good articles, and what happened as a result of writing the second one, the fellow was very, very um, proactive on Twitter. He still tweets about the article, and he was tweeting about it. It was an article called uh, Prenatal Care for Your Book, and it was all about the importance of establishing your platform way before the book comes out, you know, starting at least a year in advance. People don't understand that, and some people say, how can you start promoting a book before it's even written? Um, well, you can, and you should, and so this was really about that. And so I got such a response from it, uh, and one of the people who responded was a woman who said, I would like you to do the same for me. Can I hire you? And so she became my first client. Her name is Alison Maslin. She went on to, I did, I created a campaign for her. I said, you don't want me to do the same thing. I have to do better because I didn't hit number one. And if I'm going to do it for somebody else, um, now I've got to figure out how to get you to number one. So I did, and uh, which her book her book became uh, number one in Canada and the United States in entrepreneurship. She built an entire speaking platform around this. This woman's been all over the United States on TV and radio. She's built a uh, you know really a, a multi million dollar um, platform around this through a mastermind group and various business uh, things that she's offering, and she's become a very 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 successful entrepreneurial mentor, I should say, life and business strategist. She was already successful, but this has made her more successful. Um, plus what she did with it. You know, she just ran with it and really went well. Now, as a result of that book going to number one, author after author contacted me, and basically I accidentally created a business. And in the beginning, I was just me kind of giving, doing consulting and guiding their web people. And then finally, again, this is how conflict creates innovation. I had one uh, launch where I couldn't stand um, having to work with the team because it was just so so awkward. And I decided that enough is enough. I have to create my own team. So I hired, I have about seven or eight people now who work within the company. And they all know, they all have different jobs. They all know what to do. Uh, we can, you know, we, we have a very, very good system for doing book launches. We've created um, 12 book launches in the last year, uh, not, not quite year, but year and a half. Uh, five have hit number one. All of them have been bestsellers, most in the top ten. Um, I think only one didn't hit in the top ten. Most are in the top five, I should say. All but one, 
I think are uh, not in the top five. And five of them hit actually number one in more than one country, I have to say. Uh, I, I launched Roy Mar- Dr. Roy Martino through Hay House, and he was, was like uh, number one in Canada, United States, UK, and uh, Germany, I think. And so now what I'm also doing is I'm working with authors to beyond their books to, to build businesses around their their platform that we've built up. And I, I work with authors for you know a good year, year and a half to before the book comes out and after the book comes out to make sure that they, they've really created a beautiful, sustainable business. I only work with mind, body, spirit authors, and I'm really, really glad because it, it keeps me aligned with my... You know, my purpose, and my purpose is basically to um, enable people to find their own inner hero, enable people to to uh, live their, the lives that they were meant to be, as we, we said before, to be the person they were born to be. And, and so I'm very picky. I don't take every author who comes along. Uh, I'm very picky about who, who I'll back, because uh, I want to be able to, if I say, this is this is a really wonderful book or a sweet book or a powerful book or an important book or whatever adjective I use to describe this book, I have to mean it. You know, I have to mean it. So uh, it's about authenticity for me, and, and I have to love my clients. I just do. I have to really love them. Uh, and and I, I love my business as a result. So because all of that has happened, people have re- regarded me as a a marketing expert, a marketing guru, if you want to put that word on, with a, with a particular slant on online marketing. I I don't, you know, I'm not a I'm not into advertising. I'm not into TV adverts and things like that. Um, but I I've noticed with great clarity what I believe are the the cornerstones of uh, of good marketing versus. Um, uh, when I say good, I mean marketing that is that is effective and also good for humanity, versus marketing that might work but is not effective, not as good, not good for humanity. And that has led me to do the next phase of the work that I'm doing, which is uh, a book that I'm writing. That uh, it was supposed to be out sooner, but I've, I've been just so busy and also. I've had some health challenges, and uh, the book is going to be coming out in December, and it's called The Seven Graces of Marketing, and the subtitle of it is How to Heal Humanity and the Planet by Changing the Way We Sell. So there, that's out of the bag. And, Good. Uh, well, congratulations. That's, that's what I'm, I've been talking about a lot on uh, different different stages and also uh, just starting to write articles on it now, and I'm very excited about this book. This is not going to be a run-of-the-mill book. This is going to be a very cutting-edge, a little bit nervy book. <laughs> might push a few buttons. <laughs> so uh, just tell us a little bit about then about what's wrong with our, um, the, the, the marketing you said that, that may be effective but isn't good for humanity. Just talk a bit about, in, in a broader sense, what you mean by that in terms of the more perhaps traditional marketing that we've experienced. Right. Well, the, there's so many there's so many levels to it. Um, in the in the book, the seven graces of marketing, I also talk about the seven deadly sins of marketing, and I'll I'll outline those in a minute. But on a on a uh, on a kind of a more meta view, uh, you could look at those seven deadly sins. But if we look at the kind of meta view, the things that enter into those seven deadly sins are three cornerstones that even, you know, classic marketers always talk about. They talk about fear, sex, and humor. Using fear, sex, and humor in marketing uh, is there almost all the time, and 
in different guises. And the, really, when I talk about the seven deadly sins, which I'll, I'll, I'll outline in a sec, you'll see fear, sex, and humor appearing in different ways in these different guises and why it works and why they, why they actually harm us. Um, so, you know, when I say sex, it's usually not just about having sexy girls up there. A lot of times it's got to do with feeling sexually inadequate is really what, what is being driven in, in a lot of marketing. Humor, people say, oh, well, what's wrong with humor? Well, humor can very often be used as a distractor that has nothing to do with the product, and it's, it's undermining our sense of judgment and persuading us through kind of a subliminal emotion that isn't allowing us to make an informed decision. So when you look at those as tools that are used within these seven deadly sins, then you'll see how they operate. And really the book is outlining how, how this all happens. I give lots and lots of examples from classical marketing and also how some of these types of marketing campaigns have actually hurt society, either our health, our economy, our environment even, uh, for lots and lots of reasons. I'm just going to just say the, the, the seven deadly sins and the, the comparative graces. And then, you know, we can, I don't know how much time we have, Peter, but we can, we can look at them or not, or you can choose one or not, or you can guide me whatever way you want. But here, here they are, here are the pairs. First deadly sin is disconnection versus connection. Uh, persuasion, number two is persuasion as opposed to inspiration. Number three is invasion as opposed to invitation. I'll give you an example of that, uh, you know, or any of these I'll give you examples of. Uh, number four is distraction versus directness. Number five is deception versus transparency. Number six is scarcity, and this is a huge one. I just blogged about it this week, versus abundance. And number seven is competition versus collaboration. And, you know, the, the purpose of the book is to show it's not just about marketing, marketing. It's really about consumer culture because marketing is what's creating consumer culture. It's what has created consumer culture. And the purpose of the book is not just to be a, a, an awareness book for marketers. It's for consumers as well because if consumers understood the subtle impact that marketing is making on them to, to, to influence their buying habits, they would see how it impacts their, their savings, their economy, their health, their stress levels, uh, and also the environment because overconsumption and, you know, and also creating false needs, things that we didn't need 100 years ago that we are consuming at alarming rates is having a devastating impact on our natural environment. And all of these are driven by marketing. So the more aware we are of how we're responding to these on a subliminal and an unconscious level, the more we can begin to take issue with, with these kinds of marketing messages. And I, I believe that you know conscious marketer, the new age of the conscious marketer, has to start now. Otherwise, we're doomed. The <laughs> planet is doomed. I mean, the, some of the statistics I came up with with regards to um, just the way we're using land to, to feed our fast food uh, um, addiction, you know, not mine and yours maybe, but the masses' fast food addiction, you can, you can feed the whole population of America if you got rid of the, the grazing grounds for cattle that are being slaughtered for just one of the major food chains that I won't mention 
on the air. I do in the book, but I won't mention on the air. And it's astonishing when you look at it. And we didn't need these things 100 years ago. So it's not just about our money. It, it, it's about a lot of things. It's about the planet. It's about the uh, consuming things at a faster rate than the planet can absorb them. It's about spending more money. Fast. It's about spending money faster than our economy can support. And it's certainly about um, a constant message of being kept in fear and an alarm and of feelings of inadequacy that are undermining our health at every day, at, at an everyday, uh, as an everyday experience. And so, so all of these uh, here in disconnection, back. persuasion, invasion, distraction, deception, scarcity, and competition, and all of them can be undone with the with the counterparts of connection, inspiration, invitation, directness, transparency, abundance, and collaboration. So Lynn, we're actually coming up, to our, we're coming up to our second break here. So when we come back, I'd love to chat a little bit about the unconscious subliminal messages and then move into some of the specifics of the seven deadly sins and how we can, uh, of marketing and how we can transcend that. Great. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Have with me today Lynn Serafin, and we're just about to engage in a discussion around the seven graces of marketing and the seven deadly sins of marketing. But before we do, Lynn, perhaps you could give our listeners uh, information about your own websites that are relevant and also any upcoming events that you have. Thanks, uh, Peter. Um, well, I think the, the primary website that people know me from is my Spirit Authors website. So it's authors as in people who write books, spiritauthors.com. When you go there, the blog there, if, you, if you're an aspiring author or even an established author, I have a lot of articles that are very, very useful on uh, how to promote yourself, how to build a platform. I get, I get an awful lot of people that tell me this is really, really, really useful information. And you can subscribe to that free and just get those whenever I, whenever I publish those. There's also a couple of courses on there on writing a book, on building your platform, and in September I'll be starting the course on uh, creating an Amazon campaign. 
So, uh, you know, you can check out the courses there for a dollar for the first week, I think, is what it is. And uh, if you're not interested in the courses now, just subscribe for the blog, and you, you'll, get the, you'll get the articles for free. The other site that I would point you in the direction to is the site I'm just starting, and it is the7gracesofmarketing.com, and it's the number seven, the num- numeral seven, not the word seven. So the, and then number seven, gracesofmarketing.com, the seven graces That is the official blog site of the book. It's not really built yet. I have one good article up there I just posted last week on the topic of scarcity. I'll be putting uh, different uh, video articles and lots of other informative articles for anybody who wants to learn more about the subtle ways that marketing may be influencing you, either as a consumer or uh, even as a marketer, you know, especially people who are very conscious, very spiritually minded solopreneurs or, you know, business, small business owners who may be saying, I hate marketing, I can't stand marketing, but you know that you have to do it. Well, the, one of the reasons why I wrote the book in the first place was because I knew that that was the case, that there were so many holistic practitioners and coaches and um, you know, spiritually minded people and artistic people, I should say as well, people in the arts, who can't stand marketing. And they don't know why, but they don't succeed in business because they don't know how to do it well. And you know, my, my original purpose was to show them, you know why you don't like it? It's because it's got all this stuff going on that is really antithetical to your value system. And however, rather than say, I'm no good at marketing, it's time to create a different paradigm, lead the way. As I was saying before, you know, conflict is the door that opens us to change. And the fact that you hate marketing, if any of you out there are listening say, yes, I can't stand marketing, I'm really, I feel awful, I can never say the price when people ask me the price. If you can't stand marketing, take that as a sign from the universe that you're supposed to change the model. So, so you know, don't, don't suffer, uh, you know, your business breakdown because you're no good at it. Let's change the model. And the reason why we have to change the model is because the current model doesn't work anymore. Uh, capitalism is a great economic model. However, when we have technology at the, at the rate that it's changing now, you can't follow a 150-year-old model in this current day world. We have to change. Marketing cannot be what it was in the 1950s or 60s because the world has changed. We have to change it. It is already changing with the, with the advent of social media, but we have to change it even more. We have to change it so that a real value system is brought into it where, um, you know, it, it accommodates the fact that we're now a global community. We're not a bunch of consumers and corporations. That's not the way it works anymore. We're all moving towards, you know, one global world here. And that's, what, that's really what the model is about. It's about how do we take that, the fact that we are an evolving society, and create a new paradigm so that we don't destroy ourselves through commercialism. So, Lynn, just talk a little bit about the, the unconscious consumer and, and how it is that the subliminal messages get through and, and people are not aware of, of the impact that's happening to them. Well, I'll give you one very um, you know, small example, and I'm sure parents uh, will, if they're listening to this, they'll say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, marketing by, uh, I'll, I'll use uh, one of the deadly sins, deception, and I'll say deception by association, such as, um, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll give an, two examples. One is in, say, children's advertising. Uh, here in Britain, it was brought up, there's, I don't know if they have it in the States. Do you guys have the tweenies in the States? <laughs> the, 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 it's a BBC children's, uh, um, show, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not yeah. in that. Actually, I'm about to get involved in that, but uh, not yet. But uh, okay. I mean, well, even I if you don't have that, that I, I know I'm sure you're something equivalent. But let, let's say you have a child, a children's television show, some character that's really a favorite, and then right. that character gets used on a package of some product. You know, whether it's a toy, whether it's children's food, um, or or anything. And in this case, I won't say exactly what it was or the brand or anything again. I, I do say in the book because I can cite the references, but since I can't cite the references here without looking them up, I won't say. Um, it, there was there was a children's character that was put on a carton of yogurt, and that yogurt happened to have contained like forty percent sugar. <laughs> That when the analysis was done, and it so it was packaged as a children's food, and you know loads and loads of children. So look at children's breakfast cereals with chocolate and all kinds of things, and they say natural fiber and whatnot, but it's you know it's fifty percent sugar. Um, those kinds of things are deception. The subliminal is that uh, in the case of the children's advertising, they think, well, my hero can eat it. Why can't I? You know, that's, and that, so it starts at a very early age, and then the parents are up against this challenge here because they're being told, you know, this person that I really love and I trust and I see every day who's my, you know, my childhood companion, they, they eat this stuff and he's on the container, why can't I have this? Now, when we're older, um, it, it continues. There's, um, there's a case here in, um, not a case, not a, not a legal case, but I mean, there's a, uh, some complaints happening with regards to, say, the London Olympics happening in 2012. Well, some of the biggest um, sponsors are fast food chains. And the, the big complaint about this is that there's this strange marketing by deception connect or, uh, or uh, uh, deception through association is what I said. Sorry. Deception through association that, therefore, eating fast food is okay if you're an athlete. You know, or eating fast, you know, that it's all part of the, the holistic, you know, the, uh, not the holistic, but the, the happy way. This is the, in America would be the American way. You know, it's the, it's the modern life, you know. Uh, and then it's okay because we have salads on the side now. You know, and we can still eat all the all the junky stuff, but we have salads, so we're actually really healthy. And the, and and these kind these kinds of subtle ways that we don't realize that we've come to accept, we've come to accept things that in the past would not have been acceptable. There's many, many, many other ways that that we are slowly accepting things that are that we wouldn't have accepted are acceptable in the past. There's many other things, uh, especially with regards to deceptive uh, marketing, like things that say nothing works faster. Well, it doesn't mean it's the fastest. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that anything works better than nothing. You know, if you say uh, no, no toothpaste is more effective, it doesn't mean that it's the most effective toothpaste. It doesn't mean that any toothpaste is more effective than rinsing your mouth out with water, for instance. Things like that people don't necessarily hear. And, and marketing enters in. And it confuses the mind because they hear many, many, many conflicting messages that seem to not make sense. 
But, you know, they say, well, which one is the better? What's the bottom line? But if you're reading the marketing carefully enough, it's pretty much saying that none of them are making any claims to, they're not actually saying that they, that they can do anything. A, a lot of marketing is like that. But we're, but we're subliminally being told that it does. And there's an awful lot to do with sex as well. When you're told because you're worth it, what is it really saying? It's pretty much saying if you don't spend extra money, then you're not, then you have a low self-worth. And that's right. a very negative self-message. Now, one of the, uh, one of the most significant uh, spiritual concepts is, is being connected to all that is. And I note that your first deadly sin is disconnection. Uh, so talk about that a little bit. Right. Well, uh, my, I think one of the, the, the deadly sin of disconnection versus connection is really the underlying theme and the thread that weaves together all of the other graces and, and deadly sins. Because if we're, um, if we feel disconnected, let's, let's go to a really big level, mega level, um, or meta level, I should say. If, if we're disconnected from our environment, then we can exploit it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. We, we give ourselves permission to exploit it. When the um, you know, indigenous cultures, older cultures, were very connected to the earth, they would never think of, uh, of, of raping the earth in the ways that we've done. They just wouldn't do it uh, for many, many reasons. One, they had, they had a, you know, a, a spiritual system in which they were very connected. They felt emotionally and spiritually very connected to the earth. What went hand in hand with that feeling of connection was a great respect for the actual actions and treatment of the earth. How did we treat the planet? What we do today in the form of, you know, mining, extraction, stripping land, you know, uh, the way we raise animals, the way we kill animals, uh, all of these things are clearly there only because we have separated ourselves from source. When we are separate from source, we give ourselves permission to exploit it. When we, when, as soon as we see ourselves as separate, we begin to measure. And as soon as we measure, then we have to see ourselves as better. The, the Indian word for this is maya. Maya is, uh, you know, the people translate it frequently as uh, delusion. They some say infatuation. But it, it actually, if you look at the actual Sanskrit word, it means not that. Maya means not that, and it means that I am not that. <laughs> so when we are in Maya, it means that we have gotten to a point in our perception, in, in the way we see the world, where we see ourselves as separate. So when we're in Maya, it's I am here and everything else is over there. When I am here and everything else is over there, then I'm comparing myself. When I'm comparing myself, I can compete, I can exploit, I can do whatever, I can deceive. Uh, all of the other things are dependent upon this particular, this particular uh, sin versus versus uh, uh, grace. If we feel disconnected, we will exploit. If we feel connected, there is no way on the face of the earth we will exploit. It, we we just can't. And as a result, there is no way on the face of the earth we we would be causing the amount of environmental devastation that we're currently doing if we felt connected to the earth. That's one of the reasons why I'm involved in the transition uh, network here in Britain. Just the very act of growing food in my back garden is, is a simple, simple thing that, that brings me great connection. It saves on food miles, it saves on petrol and all kinds of things, but we would never have gotten to this place. We would never have thought of 
spouting, you know, oil into the atmosphere and, and, and ruining the waters to do whatever we do if we felt connection. And our marketing, it, it comes down on many, 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 many levels. You can see it in the marketing. When marketing feels like it is more about the marketing piece than it is about the product and connecting the, the creator or owner of the product with the end user, that's where connection is, disconnection is. And, and, and most of us, most people will remember adverts more than they will remember the product that's being advertised. You know, they'll remember that car advert, but they may not remember what the car is. That tells us that there's a disconnect going on here. We're actually coming up to our final break. It was a great little Sorry, flourish so. you had there. <laughs> so we'll have our final break, and we'll have a segment with Lynn Serafin talking about the seven deadly sins of marketing and the seven graces of marketing. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 7th Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be extraordinary. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And I have with me today Lynn Serafin, and we're talking about the seven graces of marketing and the seven deadly sins of marketing. And I'd like you just to chat a little bit more about one of those deadly sins, uh, Lynn, which is the aspect of scarcity. Right. Uh, scarcity is such a huge topic, and I felt like I, when I started researching it, I felt like I could write a whole book just on that. So uh, as, I'm, as I'm editing through the final, final bits of the book before I send it off to my proofreader, I'm, I'm having to cut some things down a little bit. But um, scarcity is a way, is a tool that marketers use to motivate action. And there's many different levels of scarcity. The classic one is... Um, well, using a deadline is pretty pretty cliche. Using a deadline only, you know, all, you know, sale ends on such and such date. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, and and deadlines are necessary. You can't have a sale forever. You know, I mean, I understand. And marketing campaigns have to have a beginning, a middle, and end. But sometimes I've seen marketers use deadlines to extremes, where to get people to act within minutes, uh, so that they make a flack, you know, a flash decision without being able to have any time to make an informed or considered decision. To me, that's pretty exploitive. Beyond that, the scarcity is used with uh, 
creating false scarcities, such as people have, uh, I, I put this out on Facebook, and some people came back and they said, yeah, what about the pat- cabbage back patch craze? Or, you know, what about um, the, um, you know, the uh, PlayStation, things like that. There, there's so many, so many instances where we can see where people were like, oh my goodness, they're going to run out of these before Christmas. And there were ne- there was necessarily there wasn't necessarily a scarcity. People were motivated by the fear of scarcity. So these were false scarcities that didn't actually exist. Now the thing that's interesting about scarcity is that um, we're actually hardwired as human beings, as bodies, we're hardwired to react to scarcity. And in the book, I talk about how uh, you know how our bodies react to uh, to famine. Uh, both uh, either when we're alive or when we're in utero, we, we react to famine in different ways. And it's very interesting because marketers understand or have long understood that we all react out of the fear of scarcity and it's a matter, and it's pure manipulation. It's total ex- exploitation. There is no way that we won't respond to it. However, the, the key to, the key to Compelling or persuading, which is one of the deadly sins, persuading people to react to scarcity is that first you have to create in them a need. And if you are creating in people false needs for things they don't actually need, uh, and then you take, so you say you actually need this because you are scarce otherwise. You are with, you are not whole otherwise. You are not complete without this. And you can create that emotional pain. And then you say, but there's not many left, so hurry up. Um, you know, or there's, or there are not many left at this price. So hurry up. These kinds of things, we if we if we respond to them without conscious choice, without really being able to choose consciously and 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 have you know uh, uh, just feel empowered by our decision rather than anxiety. These cause tr- tremendous illness and tremendous economic overspending and so much waste. It, it's it to me it's a huge issue and I go into it a lot in the book. I give a lot 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 of examples on how it's impacted our health, um, how it actually uh, it's it's created the, the whole cigarette the whole cigarette industry is created founded on the notion of scarcity. It's it's astonishing. It is really astonishing. So Lynn, let's let's shift uh, gears to the last few minutes and now talk about the seven graces of marketing and, and ways in which we can actually support humanity by marketing in a different way. Yeah, I mean, the, the point is that you can talk about them hand in hand or you can talk at the, about all of them in you know, one, you know, all the deadly sins and then all of the graces. Let me just reiterate what the graces are and then, uh, and then I'll kind of look at them as a whole because since we only have a few minutes, I can't go into each one as, in, in as much depth. Again, the seven graces are connection, inspiration, invitation, directness, transparency, abundance, and collaboration. Uh, just as disconnection was the key, the, the thread that ran through all the other uh, uh, sins, the, the connection, connection is actually the thread that runs through all of the other graces. When you feel connected, when you feel connected to yourself, when you feel connected to your business, when you feel connected to your audience, when you feel connected to the planet, to source, you will not exploit. When you feel connected, you will know that there is abundance. You will know you will not respond to scarcity. You will not respond to deception. You won't respond or create persuasion. Um, when I when I say when I write copy, like a lot of people come to me for writing marketing copy, 
I get so much rep marketing copy from professional copywriters. There's all persuasion and scarcity. You know, it puts, fills you with fear and edginess. You can feel it. To me, I say, as marketers, our 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 um, role is only to inspire, never to persuade. Or maybe I should say it the other way around. Our 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 role as a marketer is never to persuade, only to inspire. And the difference is this: to inspire people, you are not saying that they are lacking. You are not saying that they can't get it. You know, you're you know, unless they do this, you are saying. Here's a wonderful thing. I believe I personally believe in this thing because I'm connected to this thing. I would, you know, I'd love to share this with you and you inspire through giving, 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 giving. And that's the other aspect of, of abundance. Abundance means that you have a fundamental fundamental belief and outlook that there is enough of everything for everyone. And when you feel that way, you will never instill scarcity in your, in your clients or your customers. You will never try to persuade people, nor will you ever be persuaded as a consumer, nor will you ever react to scarcity. When you live and walk in a knowledge and a feeling and a belief and a fundamental understanding that there is enough, as long as we keep everything in balance, and we don't exploit and we don't disconnect. As long as we are connected and in walking in this abundance, there is enough. The world knows how to keep everything in balance. And it's so amazing. We're actually, and we're actually amazingly, we're actually coming up to the end of our time. It's gone unbelievably amazing. quickly. Um, and I really appreciate your time today. And I'm really looking forward to uh, reading the book when it comes out in December. So thank you so much for joining us today. You're most welcome. Thanks for having me, Peter. It was a delight. Thank you very much. So next week, my guest will be George Cavasilis, who is coming on a North American tour starting at the end of July in Canada and going out into the States. Uh, George, I believe, has got a tremendous insight into where we are going in the next couple of years, and I hope you'll join me for his return to the show. I hope you've enjoyed today's show with Lynn Serafin with some wonderful thoughts about marketing and the way we need to move forward in life. I uh, hope you have a great week. Enjoy the uh, eclipse on Friday. hope it's not too intense. And step through that portal into a new awakening world. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.